Good afternoon. It is time yet again for another episode of Never Punt, Comma, Never Parlay, uh, one of your favorite college football shows that talks about betting, makes some plays, makes some sharp lines. And uh, I'm uh, your host, Parker, at Stats War on Twitter. And I'm uh, joined today again by Douglas Farmer. Uh, Douglas, how are you today? Parker, I'm starting to think we manifested going four and two every week. When we said never punt, it's like we have a fourth and two. We're not going to punt. When we said never parlay, we each keep going two and one. Anybody who tries to parlay all three of our picks, they're losing. But if they just play our picks straight up, they're coming out ahead. I think we we created this four and two run we're on three weeks in a row. I, I'm pretty good on that. I don't know about you, but I've actually been throwing in an intentional loser once a week just to maintain the never parlay value. So knowing that it won't happen. Um, did, did we are on one lose uh, last week. I don't even know. <laughs> uh, you can't tell, you know, I, I, I don't know which one's the loser beforehand. That makes it fun. That makes the parlay not working. Uh, but, uh, we are of course, uh, part of the hammer and part of hit the books HQ. We're on that YouTube channel. We'll be here every Tuesday afternoon at four. Um, from now until the end of the season and perhaps beyond. Make sure that you like, subscribe, follow the show, all that stuff so that you get the good content. Of course, Powers and Kanish are on multiple times a week doing great stuff. Also, if you're here and you're uh, you're in you're in the YouTube live, give us a comment. Uh, talk, us, uh, talk to us about what you're looking at this week, some feedback. If you've got a question about a game we don't hit, we can try to get to some of that if we have a little bit of time too. So make sure you toss those comments in there as well and give us a little like on the video uh, just helps us with the algorithm and all that, uh, all that good stuff there. So we'll go ahead and kick things off. Um, all of that being said, with a little bit of a recap from um, from week week three, there uh, a surprisingly fun week. Not surprising though, if you like college football, just surprising in the sense a lot of people try to dunk on it, but turned out to be a pretty good week. Douglas, where do you want to go first in our recap? I want to poke. The underrated coach, your favorite underrated coach. I believe the direct quote from one Parker Fleming last week was, I'm not too worried about Alabama. Parker, are you now worried about Alabama coming off a 17 to three victory at noted powerhouse South Florida? No, not at all. Uh, I don't think I'm taking anything away from that game at, at all. I think that what we've seen is uh, that's, there is a little bit of a power struggle about who's going to start uh, for Alabama at quarterback. I think it is by and large, very, very clear that Jalen Milrow is the best of three bad options. Um, and I am coming around to the idea that if Milrow gets in there, if they ask him to not throw those 10 to 19 yard passes that he, that he really, really struggles with, that they can stick to kind of the dank and bomb offense, their defense is going to be good enough to keep them in, uh, in 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 games, and if that offense can minimize negative plays, take a couple steps forward, uh, I still think that everything is on the table for Alabama this year. So um, I, I really am not taking too too much out of you know rain delay on the road that kind of uh, not not starting your best quarterback for whatever off season or whatever off field reason. Uh, generally, I think that um, I, I'm still okay with Alabama being uh, being Alabama. And now this week they've got Mississippi coming to Tuscaloosa. Alabama's favored by a touchdown. Neither one of us is is laying a play on that. I I am very much looking forward to watching it. See if Jalen Milrow can keep pace with the Lane Kiffin offense. That will be a new test because now it, it does matter for you. Now it really does. Your your Alabama futures are clearly on the line all of a sudden. 
Yeah, um, it, it, it certainly is going to help. Uh, I think to to get that one, my numbers would have this uh, just a, just a raw you know a raw rating would have this slightly leaning towards Mississippi with a with a cover here. And we've seen Lane Kiffin already playing some games, already playing some some media games, messing around, trying to get inside his uh, Saban's head while he's got a chance. We'll see how that translates onto the field. Um, and what they what they can do, but really interested in Alabama playing good defense and simplifying the offense, limiting the playbook, trying to just run the fundamentals and and, and beat teams that are more talented than. We'll see how that works out. Now let's go from um, this questionable quarterback situation and and acknowledge a top of the line quarterback situation. We don't have to spend much time on Washington's pasting of Michigan State forty one to seven, but Michael Penix looks so bleeping. Good. On the season, he's at 74.3% completion rate, 11.8 yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns, one interception. It doesn't matter who he's playing right now. He's going to make it work. And I'm feeling good about my my Michael Penix futures, but I'm also really enjoying just watching Washington. Yeah, a lot of a lot of fun there and, and, and putting up good numbers. This is one of those where I'm kind of kicking myself saying like, dude, just freaking bet against Michigan State. Just do it. Um, and, and I love, love that they just, you know, that, that cumulative effect, I am interested to see how Washington totals evolve during this season. I mean, they're already high, but as they continue to just pour it on people, uh, where, where, where are we going to go with that? And can their defense be good enough to limit, um, limit opponents there? Uh, I think, cause I think this was technically an under, wasn't it a 63? I don't remember offhand, but I, I think, I think technically an it under, was definitely hard to imagine that 41 to seven is not an under. Um, especially with the Washington team. So we'll see how totals go as their defense looks a little bit better and they are putting up uh, a ton of points. Speaking of quarterback situations, does look like Tennessee is um, not necessarily going to be what they were last year. I think that uh, we've seen that they're substituting away from throws for uh, for Joe Milton. Uh, can't really run kind of the hypo offense that they want to run, especially those intermediate and short throws. Uh, really, really, really not looking great uh, in in Tennessee there. My notes are that he, Milton's just not accurate enough to have this average of a run game. When you gain 20, 108 yards, sacks adjusted on 29 carries against a good, not great Florida team, you need the hypo offense to be clicking. This uh, I was looking at one of your charts right before we went live. You've got Tennessee as the number 60 uh, expected points added per rush. Perfectly average. You've got to be better than that if Joe Milton's going to be this inaccurate. It's really going to establish a ceiling on their season that was not the expectation coming into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely need to see a little bit more out of him. A really rough loss for them, especially because you get the rival. Um uh, some some momentum there, and you're behind the eight ball in the uh, in the East now too. So that you know you got to beat Georgia to win the East, which is uh, increasingly increasingly difficult here. So uh, rough for Tennessee. Um, did you stay up and watch Colorado Colorado State? Did I stay up? I kept a bar open an hour and a half past. I, I stayed at a bar. It wasn't open anymore. I stayed at a bar an hour and a half past. It was supposed to close, and place was cleaned. Staff was ready. It's just me and two barbacks at this point, and they both were like, "No, we're gonna, we're not leaving." <laughs> so we watched the whole way through. It was too entertaining not to. It was too much fun not to. Yeah, wild, wild game. I think the third game in a row where Colorado played well enough to let their opponents beat them, which is something that Colorado has not been able to do in the past. There, I, I think Oregon probably their their first loss this weekend, but uh, certainly doesn't take away from the fact that they have had a level set increase from being feckless 
to having some facts as long as the opponents will give up those facts. So interesting for Colorado. Honestly, more worried about Travis Hunter being out on the defensive side than the offensive side. Still feel like they're finding ways to be multiple on offense. Love it there. But I think the cracks in that defense are showing more and more. Uh, I wouldn't call Colorado State's offense necessarily good, and they were able to look very good against Colorado there. So uh, a lot of fun. And that's coming from uh, our other avowed Colorado oh, yeah. State fan in the world. But now let's run Love through it. a few Need that we had. We, we played. <laughs> we played. Kansas State, I, our expectation was they would excel where it mattered most and Missouri wouldn't. But instead, Kansas State kicked field goals on three of five quality drives while Missouri had six quality drives. Just outdid them in that respect. I, I hate to say I think you had the wrong side on that, but loss aside, I think you had the wrong side on that one. Yeah, I mean, looking at, I, I think the one thing that makes me a little bit reserved from that uh, is that Kansas State, but both quarterbacks got a little banged up there, and Kansas State bringing Avery Johnson looked like they got a little conservative, and I mean, that's the weirdest. Okay, I'm going to be total hedge here, because uh, I'm going to create a counterfactual that can't be falsified, but deal with it. I think if that goes to overtime, we get a win and a cover for Kansas State, and we're doing okay. I think that field goal was like one of the weirdest, most hilarious games game endings ever like Missouri tried to lose that game Missouri did everything they could do to lose that game and really the big thing there was Kansas State missed a field goal early in the game and after an 11 place 75 yard uh touchdown drive they went three and out with an interception that gave Missouri a short field for for a, a field goal there that's a six point swing right there not really changing anything else in the game not even accounting for the fact that Kansas State looked really good on the scripted drive and could have put that together again. But yeah, up and down for Kansas State, I did ding them a little bit in, in ratings just because I think that they didn't look good against Missouri. Um, does help. Uh, I, I like Missouri's offense with the, the gravity of the guys they have there. They brought in Theo Weiss that really helps free up Luther Burden, five-star receiver, you know, who's, who's kind of underused last year. So looks like they're putting some of that together. But this one, I mean, this was in spite of everything that, that Missouri that Missouri won this one. So bad, bad, bad beat. Not totally wrong side. Don't love it. But, uh, but yeah, rough, rough, rough beat there with that whole weirdness at the end of the game. We need to monitor the Army offense. Uh, I didn't actually get to have eyes on that game. I know they ran for 250-plus yards on 60-plus carries, which doesn't sound like a new Army offense. You're going to be touching on Army a little bit later in the show, so we don't need to spend much time on that. But it wasn't great for my under-six wins play. I'm, I'm curious to see what this Army offense is. Again, I couldn't have eyes on it Friday night. And then uh, I wanted to make sure we once again remind you that North Carolina rewarded my faith in them, and it's looking real dire for the Parker Fleming under North Carolina play. Look, I still believe, but uh, yeah, I might be, I might be doing some, might be, might be putting some money some other places. That's another one too, where um, I, I really think that look at looking at Minnesota, man, super underwhelming there, just in terms of they had some opportunities but really couldn't capitalize, and then UNC with Drake May, just all they need is one or two drives, and it's out, of, and it's out, of, it's gone, it's over. And so really, really good striking there going to say, I'll, I'm not, I'm not going to go against UNC for a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to take away. I'm going to let them have the hot hand. That's fine. And I'm going to hope that future works out. And uh, that line got to a hook this week, which is why I'm not backing North Carolina with a play this week, just because of the hook. If, if you know, I, I've been on North Carolina two weeks in a row, maybe three weeks in a row. I'm not backing off that, but I didn't want to deal with the hook. We are always apparently going to be doubting Louisiana Tech. They very much rewarded your doubt. I, I was texting you Saturday night saying, I was skeptical of that one. You were right. I, I should have. I'm glad I stayed away from it because I would have been wrong entirely. 
Yeah. Um, they're, they're just in a bad spot. They're just in a bad spot. I think it's okay to say, I think I said it last week, but yeah, rewarded that. And again, that's a good, again, not with, not that we're here to teach or condescend or anything, but like, Hey, I thought that Louisiana tech might be interesting in terms of, I know just our beer bet, but I'm able to, I'm able to change my priors and then bet against the money line and still recoup any futures money that I might have tied up in Louisiana tech, which I, I don't because I didn't want to tie up money in Louisiana tech on the season, but um, yeah, that's, it's, 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 it's rough scene over there and injuries definitely mattered, but man, it looks like it's not, it's not clicking at all. That beer bet might become the sicko beer bet of the year. We thought we were betting on two dark horses to win the conference and boy, whichever one gets to 500, it's going to win the beer bet. It could be a real bad reflection on us as human beings. I don't know if either of them is gonna is gonna get to five hundred. Man, they are both uh, certainly different kinds of bad. Speaking of different kinds of bad, Rutgers normal bad. Um, Gavin Wimsat is like a fine quarterback for Rutgers. I'm I'm into it. I'm okay with it. I think you're being harsh when you say Rutgers is normal bad. Rutgers might just be fine. Like Rutgers, yeah, they're they're twenty four yeah, point underdogs at Michigan this week, and like Michigan's the number one or two team in the country according to the world. And you're a twenty four point. That's not that's not drastic. That's perfectly fine. Virginia Tech, however, is actual bad, like bad, bad, like really bad. Even when you don't play Grant Wells, you're still bad. Ali Jennings is out too, so any kind of hope of an explosive passing offense, even just you know one one off here and there, completely out the window. Pretty pretty rough scenario there. Uh, they got to get something figured out with the quarterback position. And now we can hit on two more bad situations as we do a quick futures check in. The Douglas Farmer betting against Stanford, the under two and a half wins at plus good money looks real pretty after Stanford lost to Sacramento State, which if I vaguely remember, I brought up as a real possibility when I made that play back in the summer. Very pleased with that. No offense to Stanford, but it's going to be a long climb out of the hole for them. Yeah, that's nasty business, Sac State beating uh, beating Stanford after they take the coach. But I do like uh, I, I this this is the one that really we should have circled. I kind of had eyes on Idaho Cal for a second. Jade Knott was out. There was just Idaho's pretty good. Didn't manifest. Started out fun. Didn't manifest at all. But this was the one uh, there that that certainly looked. Um, yeah, so uh, I do have a flyer on Florida Atlantic. I need to touch on Casey Thompson out. We're done. It's washed. We're not going to think about it again. Uh, you live and learn. It happens. No big deal. Um, but, uh, that one was pretty rough. I do like, even though they made me sweat it on a Thursday night in a Navy game, they should have won, but they also should have lost. Memphis is still over eight, something I've got, but good Lord, we needed, you needed that loss for Navy too, with the, with the under six and a half you had both of those teams tried to lose that game. This isn't like a meme. Ha ha. This game is drunk. Ha ha. Navy deserved to lose. Ha ha. Memphis deserved to lose. No, both of these teams literally just handed the ball back and forth to each other with the game hanging in the balance. Navy within inches of a fourth down conversion to, uh, to get there as, as well. So, uh, yeah, a rough, a rough situation for, um, for, watching that game, but the result worked out for us overall. For the sake of our sanity, I'm not going to look every week of, hey, this game could impact us two ways because it'll it'll really get into our heads. But that one was a real ripe example of why we can't look at them that way because if that, that, that result flips, as it probably should have, probably shouldn't have, probably should have, probably shouldn't have, that result flips, we're sitting here probably cursing both those win totals and it's not even out of September. Yeah. Didn't like it. Didn't want to have to do it, but uh, glad it glad it worked out overall. 
Um, all right, so we've got a couple games of the week here after after recap, looking at our timing there. We've got a couple games of the week that I think are interesting that we won't have plays on, even though we're going to watch the heck out of them. Uh, first, Colorado at Oregon. We, we mentioned that very, very briefly there. Oregon, 21-point favorites. That game is uh, Saturday afternoon. Big, big noon coming back again for, for Colorado, milking every last eyeball they can out of the Deion Sanders experience. And Colorado, of course, without Travis Hunter. Douglas, what are you what are you watching for in this game? I think the bill is coming due. Uh, Deion Sanders, as, as skeptical as we've been, this is working, but the bill is coming due. It's all on tape now. Colorado State, uh, penalties aside, kind of showed what you can do to attack them a little bit. And without Travis Hunter, it's going to start to get tough. I think it's it's time, and Oregon's Oregon's going to be able to put up points. It gets that simple. If Colorado State can hang 35 on your 28 in regulation, sure. Oregon's going to put up points. This is at 3.30 on ABC, and I, I don't think I'm going to be worrying about it into the third quarter. No, I think the smart move here, rather than try to bet against a big total there, is uh, or a big spread there, is to look at like a, uh, a Oregon team total. I might be interested in that. Um, but nothing, uh, nothing in terms of the spread there. UCLA, Utah is probably my favorite game of the week. Um, this is the one that I want because it's who's it's is UCLA real. We get to this point every year where we think Chip Kelly. Awesome. Uh, got a lot of good players. Carson Steele still doing Carson Steele stuff. Five plus yards after contact looking great again against bad competition. But uh, what, what this is rubber meeting the road for UCLA. And I'm fascinated to watch it here. Got a slight lean towards UCLA covering, depending on where you get. It's getting a little tight here uh, earlier in the week, certainly some better value. But what are your thoughts on UCLA, Utah? Well, my, my thoughts are obviously influenced by my Utah positions this year. We don't know if Cam Rising's – I don't know if Cam Rising's playing. Maybe I've missed something. It's it's a great wonder. And if, if he's playing, then, yeah, watching Utah takes on a whole new perspective. If he's not, then I'm just hoping Utah can grind out a, a one-point win as it pertains to UCLA. Dante Moore? Here's your test. You have shown some real pretty deep balls. You have shown a lot of ability. Here's your test. You are going to face a physical defensive line that is going to put you on the ground. How do you respond? That is the item that maybe more than the final score, how Dante Moore responds will show his possible growth curve this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, we're going to get the young kid with a little bit of pressure as well. Should be interesting. Utah has been able to kind of win their way, will their way to wins against, you know, Florida was growing into itself. Baylor is a, is a dang mess. Here's going to be a complete team. I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of where this lands. Speaking of complete teams, the big one. Uh, one of the biggest games we've had so far this season. I think a lot bigger because Notre Dame has looked a little bit better. Ohio State currently minus three, total of 54.5 at Notre Dame on Saturday night. This is the kind of stuff that we really like to, uh, to to see in college football. These big, meaningful, regular season games, big programs playing each other. Really, really excited, really, really interested in, in how this happens. Douglas, I've got some thoughts here, but I want to give you the floor first. Uh, what are you looking for in this game? I have confidence in Notre Dame's offense. Notre Dame's defense has not been tested. So I am looking for an evaluation of Notre Dame's defense. Uh, you, you, got, you got your late night graphics out uh, a couple hours ago, and it popped off to me that Notre Dame's defense, when it matters, is leading the country in, in some respects. Notre Dame last year was terrible in red zone defense, last in the country in red zone defense last year. And – Sure, it looks good right now, but the opponent, like North Carolina State aside, the opponents haven't been that good. That's what I'm curious about. If Notre Dame's red zone defense can stop Ohio State, 
two out of five times, two out of six times, Notre Dame's going to win this game. If Ohio State's going to score on all five or six possessions into the red zone, of course, Notre Dame, as much faith as I might have in Sam Hartman at this point, Notre Dame's not going to put up 42. And so that's that's I, I the item to watch, the item to learn about is Notre Dame's defense where it matters most. Uh, I, I I do agree with that because I think that even though Kyle McCoy, uh, why am I why am I confusing McLeod and McCord? McCord, who's McLeod? Um, but uh, Kyle former McCord, Notre you know, Dame cornerback, like three years ago. That's what I was doing. I was confusing him with a former Notre Dame quarterback from three years ago. <laughs> oh, good lord! I think that. Uh, uh, McCord looked a little bit better last year, last week, and, and Western Kentucky is is not an, an amazing team, but they are a fine team. And uh, I'm actually I'm actually pretty happy with how Ohio, Ohio State's defense looked against them. Uh, kind of proof of concept there that they they can play together systematically and and really stifle a passing attack. So kind of interested to see how that. Uh, plays out here again. What we've talked about with Notre Dame is kind of the versatility or lack of versatility in the um, wide receiver room. Uh, obviously, they're they're going to be able to pass. They're going to be able to move. Some guys are stepping up, but this is the first real team I think that Notre Dame has played. So I want to see who's going to be the guy when stuff hits the fan. When we're in a close game here, who is Sam Hartman going to go to? And um, looking at the, the, the running game from Ohio state, uh, their defense 55th in EPA per rush, but 88th in rushing success rate allowed, um, the, you know, that, that kind of outpacing of EPA and rushing means, Hey, they're giving up some successes in situational spots, but they're not necessarily letting those big runs go. I think this game is really going to be determined. It's going to come down to as much as like was, um, was Estime's long run, like, 28 yard touchdown or was it like an, a 12 yard first down? Like, and, and if, if Iowa state can kind of put a ceiling on Notre Dame's explosive rushing and not let them get to the end zone and make them have to finish drives. Uh, I, I think that they, 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 they are who I would lean to here, but I think we're going to learn so much about both of these teams that I'm really, really interested kind of from a future standpoint on, on both of those. First of all, I want to point out Zachary Hill here in the comments is saying ND plus three and a half. I haven't seen a three and a half today. I believe it is at three across the board. If you see a three and a half, certainly you've got value there if it's three across the board, but I've only seen threes as of today. Uh, your point about Audrey Estime, 28-yard touchdown or 12-yard run, that's the difference he's made this season. And I bring this up because it's my favorite factoid in the world about Notre Dame right now. Audrey Estime cut his Popeye's habit by 75% this offseason in an effort to become leaner and faster. And he's got a 50-yard touchdown, 80-yard touchdown. Last week he had a 70-plus-yard touchdown pulled off the board by a holding penalty. He is faster. And if, if cutting out fried chicken gives you that kind of speed, then I can understand the sacrifice. And kudos to Audrey Estime. If, if he can get that 28-yard touchdown, then yes, it it would be an emphasis of that speed and maybe a criticism of Ohio State's rush defense. I like your thought there. Life is full of trade-offs, you know, and you got to make those there. So really, really good one. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get into our plays right at 23, one at 23 and a half minutes, perfectly there. Uh, see you guys in the comments. We'd love to hear your plays. We'd love to hear your best bets. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our best bets um, as well. And maybe we can toss some of those up again after we have some time uh knocking those out douglas why don't you get us started with plays we both have three plays we're both on sides not totals which is really interesting um but yeah talk to me about uh, about where you're starting this week i had two totals i was too much of a coward partially because they moved against me by a whole point and we've got a good thing cooking and let's stick with what's working and what's working is toledo in mac openers this is a very maybe sample size questionable uh thought but 
Jason Candle, one of our least favorite coaches, has covered his last four MAC openers. In leading up to those, he goes five and six in non-conference. Right now, they're one against the spread. Right now, they're one and two against the spread in non-conference. But he doesn't care. He's not trying to get to a bowl game. He's looking to put together just a simple MAC run once again. When they cover those last four, that stood out to me. And and Western Michigan is their opponent this week. Who's bad who's objectively bad i can get this at under 20 at toledo by 19 and a half i like that it's at FanDuel and bet mgm last i checked neg 115 so i'm paying a little bit of a premium to get that under 20 but you look at it western michigan got run off the field by syracuse and iowa it hasn't been that close and that's that's the bulk of my thought here then you realize that all western michigan does is run the ball lance taylor is a former running backs coach he is a running backs focus and they don't have the skill position players to do much else. Toledo is perfectly fine against the run. They're, they're number 41 in EPA per rush against on defense. That's going to be good enough to keep Western Michigan in check. Toledo, I think when this 28-0 for all I care, and that might be how it ends. Yeah, uh, Western Michigan, the fun fact that stands out there, you mentioned they like to run. 130th in rush rate over expectation. They're rushing 15.2 percentage more uh, percentage points more than the average team. Douglas, how many teams are in the FBS? Uh, 133 this year, which, which means Western Michigan, the standings for rush rate over expected go Western Michigan and then service Academy, service Academy, service Academy. They are running the hell out of the ball. I like it from a pace argument. I think Toledo should handle them. I, I tend to agree. Um, for my first play, I'm going to go a little chalkier than, uh, than perhaps a, a Mac opener there with Toledo. We're going to go. Oh, excuse me. What do we got? No, I'm making sure you know this is down to two. The play you're about to say, you're, you're saved by the hook. Oh, home. perfect. It's, it's down to yes, two. It, yes. Okay, I like this. Good. Very good. I was going to take it at two and a half. I'm going to take it at two here. Florida State at Clemson. Uh, currently, that is that is down to two. Oh, thank you. Producer Jacob, in the comments there, I didn't even see it. You got me, and I wasn't looking. Thank you. FSU is minus two at uh, Sugar House Bet Rivers. That's minus 109. Um, I, I like Florida State here for a couple reasons. One of them is, is a lot simpler than the other. So um, first, I think that we have seen that Clemson has a disease. And the name of the disease is can't get in the end zone-itis. Uh, they're not getting big plays that are touchdowns and they're having to finish drives and they're doing it really, really poorly. Clemson this season, 18th in offensive success rate, 71st in offensive EPA per play. When we see an outlay like that, what we realize is they're not getting any explosive plays. They're doing the bare minimum and staying ahead. When you start to adjust that for quality of competition, you think, oh God, this might actually be really bad. Additionally, uh, points per echo, points per quality possession. Clemson is 81st in the nation, 3.97 points on average this year when they get across the 40. We've seen comical games like Duke, comical games like the Tennessee Bowl game last year where they had positive net success rate, where they had a high echo ratio, but they could not get into the end zone. It looks like that's sticking with them. I think that has to do with wide receiver play and with quarterback play here. Florida State's defense is 3.87 in points per echo uh, allowed, so they excel at stymieing those scoring opportunities, even as they're 88 in echo rate. They're allowing people to get those opportunities really, really well. So Clemson not finishing here, I think, is going to be the difference. Both teams are going to have opportunities, but unless Clemson does something that we have not seen them be able to do with club neck and with these wide receivers, which is score touchdowns on quality possessions most of the time, I think Florida State's a slam dunk here. So I like getting the hook back. Uh, I like having two there instead of two and a half. Um, this one is a uh, 
this one uh, is one I like here. I think this is a fun kind of changing of the guard weekend. Didn't we agree that instead of calling it can't get into the end zone itis, we would call it the Dabo rate? Didn't we have this conversation? It's the antithesis to the echo rate. I, yeah, it's I got to come up with the acronym for Dabo for D A B O. It's got to be. Um, yeah, I can't do this on air, but I have to think of it. The, the 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 metric of like how how many points you should have had versus how many points you actually did score, and we'll call that outlay like Dabo. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, that's a, so so that's my that's my first play is is Florida State over Clemson. Who do you have next? Uh, next, I have a a big number. I have a very big number, not as big as they get, but a pretty big number for a conference power five matchup. I'm taking USC. I think this is up to five touchdowns. I think I'm getting at a neg thirty five, maybe a neg thirty four and a half. If I if I check our sheet here, yes, I still had a neg thirty four and a half, neg one fifteen at BetMGM at Arizona State. So yes, I'm taking a five touchdown favorite on the road. The books are just not catching up to the problems at Arizona State. I talked about the offensive line issues last week. Uh, they are not better. Fresno State sacked them five times and had three more quarterback hurries. Drew Pine may be available for uh, Arizona State. Last year, he played well against USC. He still got sacked twice on two quarterback pressures. That's the kind of thing that's going to be a real problem when you don't have an offensive line in front of you against what is a pretty good defensive line. USC's defense, not great. USC's defensive line, pretty good. Kenny Dillingham, maybe calling plays this week. I saw a couple hours ago. That's up in the air. Things are not going well in Arizona State, and this is the kind of opportunity where early in the season, if you can figure that out ahead of time, you can get ahead of the books. USC is going to put up 49. Let's just assume that. Do you really think Arizona State's going to score 14? Do you really think this team has that left in it? That alone gives me confidence. In USC, up to five touchdowns at Arizona State, things are going bad in Arizona State, and they're going to get worse. The injuries keep piling up where they matter most. The offensive line is going to be a problem. Look, I'm not I'm not one to overplay my hand in terms of what I think of a player, but the gunslinger, Mikey Keene, 281, two touchdowns and an easy win against Arizona State. What is what is what is Caleb Williams going to do to this team? I, I think the ceiling is uh, is literally unlimited as much as they want. So a big a big spread like this always makes you nervous because how much do they want? But I think USC can do whatever they want this weekend. Zachary Hill in our comments has a good thought that the full game, the five, the five touchdowns is too risky. So you go with the a first half total, a first, a first half spread. I see the thought. I, I understand it entirely. I try not to give those out too much on a show like this because they're not always available on a Tuesday afternoon. I see the thought entirely. Basically, we're just backing Caleb Williams through the roof and we'll see what comes out of it. Yep. I, uh, there, there are worse strategies. I think there are people making worse strategy bets uh, in college football than backing Caleb Williams. Uh, let's get weird for my second game. I went chalk for the first one. Going to go weird for the second one, going back to the well. Western Kentucky plus 3.5 is minus 109 at Bet Rivers right now. Um, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and ride with the Hilltoppers on the road at Troy. Kind of a get-right game after you go take the check and lose to Ohio State. I think Troy has lost a lot of the magic. Western Kentucky's offense, Austin Reed, experienced quarterback, 42nd in EPA per play this season, uh, 52nd in the pass, 48th in the rush, actually. But that doesn't really matter because they are passing more than almost anyone 18.3 percentage points more than average. That's fourth in the nation in rush rate over expected. Uh, they are playing a Troy team who still has some defensive continuity. That number is up to 59th in EPA per play, but the offense is just not there, not looking too great. 
um, 96th in EPA per pass, 118th in EPA per rush. Oh, did I forget to mention that Troy's EPA per pass is 78th in the nation. I think that Western Kentucky looked bad against Ohio State, but guess what? Ohio State's a good team. Western Kentucky's a G5 team. Those are not going to be games that are going to be competitive. I think we've got the wrong team favorite. I'm going to take three and a half here and go with Western Kentucky. I hate this in the respect that I have Troy Futures. That's the only part like I hate because everything you're saying I know is true. Everything you're saying I agree with. And I hate it because I came into the year wanting to believe in some Troy money. And it's one of those moments like Louisiana Tech earlier. I need to immediately get off my priors and understand this ain't that. And and I see wrong team favorite. I didn't know you're going to go that far with it. I should think about that. And maybe I, I wake up Saturday morning and take a little bit of taste of that money line. Uh, Western Kentucky is always a variance play in that respect. They're going to put the ball in the air. And Troy's defense is not It's not, It's not. not up to the task right now. And it, that disappoints me. But you're right on the play here. And we do see some um, some regression from Troy. Last season, they did a lot with field position, and they got some really advantageous situations and took advantage of almost an Iowa-esque performance in kind of flipping the field and forcing turnovers. This season, 113th in field position, allowed 99th in starting field position. So we're also seeing some regression from Troy there. Um, yeah, so I, I like Western Kentucky a lot on this one. Now, before I get to my final play, you just mentioned a four-letter word that somebody in our chat asked about earlier. Iowa asked. We had Shane Trail ask about Penn State, neg 14. Shane, if you got the neg 14, good for you. Last I knew that was only at 14 and a half. You got Penn State as a two-touchdown favorite at home against Iowa. I like that play. As soon as the hook came on, I stayed away from it because Iowa might make it. So that game is 14-0 in Penn State's favor, of course. But I, I like that play. Parker, you mentioned Iowa asked. We should realize that. That some people still like watching Iowa football. That can't. That he's watching Penn State football. That's the case. That that's what it is. My last play is uh, another another game where I'm trying to get ahead of Vegas, realizing this team is bad, 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 bad. I'm taking North Carolina State at negative nine, neg nine at Virginia, getting that at neg one ten at Caesars. It's a late night game, seven thirty Eastern on ESPN. This is a situation where the world doesn't understand how bad Virginia is. And it's it's unfortunate, and we wish they were better, especially given the circumstances of the program right now and the, the deaths off the field last season. But it's the reality on the field. Virginia is bad. They go up 14-0 against Maryland last week and then get outscored a casual 42-0. to The the freshman, I think he's a freshman quarterback, Anthony Colandria, I apologize if I pronounced that wrong, Started out well and then finished 23 of 39 with three interceptions. He got sacked three times, and now they're going against one of the best off best defensive lines in the ACC. North Carolina State's going to put him on his keister and keep Virginia's offense down. This is another game where I'm betting the neg nine, and it might end up 24 to 10, but that's good enough for me. North Carolina State's trench play is just that much better than Virginia's. Yeah, yeah, this is a different situation from earlier in the season where I thought, you know, a team like Upside UConn could could kind of punk NC State and then that transfers over to Notre Dame. I don't think Virginia even has one aspect of their game that comes close to that. So uh, I like this play uh, a whole lot and I like that number nine. I know it's been kind of moving around uh, nine and a half, ten, even, even ten and a half. Maybe I saw earlier, but nine, I like that a whole lot there. Um, all right, my last play for, for this one is um, another one that's going to be a similar argument to Florida State and Clemson. I'm going to take Syracuse 
minus 13 and a half versus Army. That's minus 112 at, uh, I believe, DraftKings and FanDuel here. So um, I, I like this one a lot because I think there's a couple things that are really interesting to me. One, I know we're playing uh, the, the roller coaster game every year, riding the roller coaster of is Syracuse good with Garrett Trader as a quarterback? And one thing that I'm really impressed by is his decision making this year. I feel like he's a little bit better in terms of knowing when to run, knowing when to pass. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I like that selection. I think they're really efficient there, even as their success rate isn't great. I have them in 92nd in offensive success rate, uh, but their EPA is super high because they are able to get those explosive plays. Army's defense kind of balanced overall 44th in, um, EPA per play. Um, but they're 55th against the EPA per pass. And I really think that, that Syracuse is going to be able to kind of uh, provide some dimensionality on offense. It's really going to stretch this Army defense. And then a reason that I like Syracuse here has to do with Army's offense. Army's new look offense, which is really kind of the old look, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, they are 38th in echo rate. And Syracuse is 87th in echo rate allowed, giving up quality possessions. But Army is not finishing those well. They're 69th in points per quality possession. Syracuse's defense is 21st, holding teams to just 3.78 on drive, 3.78 points on drives where they have a first down across the 40 there. So Army very bad at finishing drives. Syracuse with Rock, with Rocky Long at defensive coordinator, uh, really stout in those short field situations. I think Army's going to really have trouble, even if they create opportunities, finishing those opportunities. Syracuse going to have those explosive plays. They're going to pull away. I like the orange in this matchup. When lines opened on Sunday, somebody asked me, I forget what the exact number was at that point, but they asked me about Army, and I, I very vulnerably said, I was so wrong on Army last week, I need to just take a step back. Now hearing you, especially with those quality drive finishing numbers as Army's bad and Syracuse's defense is good, maybe uh, you've talked me into grabbing that, especially with the ideal number of 13 and a half. I, I needed to take a step back if only for 48 hours and think about my Army situation. Uh, and for that matter, it would help my, my season-long win total under. But Parker, before we get out of here, we've got you. you we're, we're doing real well on time this week. We haven't mentioned the most important thing that we've done here. You hear us say that USC number moved off 33 and a half to 35 in the last two hours. And then producer Jacob jumps in and tells me they're still available at 34 and a half at BetMGM. And that's because the easiest way to improve as a sports better is to use multiple sports books and always get the best odds. We recommend using an odds comparison tool like BetStamp. Compares odds across every sports book for all these games. It saves me a lot of time so I can just look at one website instead of going through 10 books. And that's how you find the best number available. The most important thing to do as a better is shop. The second most important thing to do is have a whole lot of outs available. Have accounts at a lot of books. That's not trying to say every book deserves your business. I'm trying to say that gets you the better odds. And that's when you use this QR code right over there. I'm close. Use that QR code. You scan that. You're going to get a sign-up page for all these sports books, and you'll get in real quick. It's just trying to make it easier for you. Or visit betstamp.app slash hit the books. Make our lives a little bit easier. Make our lives that much nicer. And, and you know, remind Hammer, remind hit the books that we do an okay job around here. It's not just that we're 13 and 7, 4 and 2 in three straight weeks. We're also remembering to remind you how to be a better, better. Betstamp.app slash hit the books. And then my last thought for us, Parker, is we're still doing okay on time. We've got a whole lot of comments in here. I think we uh, Zach Hill played every single game on the board. Adam asked if we're looking at any weather. Adam, the only weather I have made note of is uh, the Iowa State-Oklahoma State game. The uh, winds, I believe, had gusts up to the mid-20s, and to me that immediately is an underthought. And then, Parker, one game I wanted to ask you about, I've intentionally not asked you about it all week. I was hoping you would bring it up. You haven't. We had somebody throw in the comments. I forget who. I did not make note of it. It was probably Zach. 
SMU money line this week. Last I knew that was just under a touchdown against TCU. What are your thoughts on the SMU TCU game? If you have any. Yeah, I, I don't know that this is one where I see a ton of value. Um, again, rivalry game, a lot of a lot of drama and nonsense there. But I have this closer to TCU by like 10. Um, and I think a lot of that just comes from I, I just don't think SMU's defense is is, is super great there. But um, in the rivalry game, you got to throw it out. And I don't necessarily trust TCU um, and TCU's defense to, to not just absolutely get cooked by SMU. At least last year against SMU, TCU had a one-on-one kind of shut down uh cornerback but this year doesn't look like that defensive backfield is very good at all and there's just not not a lot of pass rush to um to speak of so while i don't think there's value in smu i certainly don't want to bet on tcu with that kind of defense in this kind of rivalry situation so not a game that i've had any really action on at all um uh, if i you know was just betting the numbers i'd bet tcu here at, at home uh they looked like they could take advantage of a bad team against Houston, but even then the passing game wasn't great. It really was the run game. And you know how I feel about teams that survive by rushing against bad teams. I don't know that that necessarily translates either. So not really excited about putting my money on TCU and really don't think there's value with SMU here. What I think I just heard was maybe consider an SMU team total over. I wouldn't hate that. I think that's, I think that's defensible. There we go. That should be, as far as I'm concerned, that's about it. We should recap our plays, get out of here in a tight 45, and let folks enjoy their Tuesday evenings. Absolutely. Douglas, go ahead and tell me what you got this uh, this week. Starting off with Toledo, neg 19 and a half against the Woeful Western Michigan. It's, it's going to get worse for Western Michigan before it gets better. It's always darkest before the dawn, but we're not even as dark as it's going to get. That's a comfortable number as long as I'm under 20. We've got USC, neg 33 and a half at Arizona State. The injuries are going to catch 34 and a half. Excuse me. I have it wrong on my piece of paper. Neg 34 and a half at Arizona State. The injuries are going to catch up with Arizona State faster than bookmakers can math it out. And that alone gives me faith in USC's defense for once, being the piece that gets us this spread cover while Caleb Williams does Caleb Williams things. And last of all, North Carolina State, neg nine at Virginia. This is another situation where the team is too bad uh, for Vegas bookmakers to figure out as we go into week four. They'll catch up and before long, so take advantage of that value while it's still there. Like it a whole lot. I'm going to be on uh, Florida State minus two against Clemson 109 at, uh, at Sugar House. Uh, and then I'm going to take Western Kentucky plus three and a half at Troy minus 109. Maybe even look at a Western Kentucky money line there because I think the wrong team is favored. And lastly, Syracuse minus 13 and a half versus Army. That's minus 112. Uh, you can get that at FanDuel and DraftKings. Those are my three this week. Douglas. Um, great show. A lot of fun. Hopefully these bets cash. And, uh, I want to remind all the people that they can four and two, four and two again, again, and again. Uh, I want to remind people that they can, uh, subscribe on YouTube to hit the books HQ to get our show and Kanish and powers. Um, and that is a lot of fun over there as well. They're on a couple times a week until then. This has been never punt common, never parlay. I'm your host Parker Fleming alongside me for Douglas farmer. Uh, see you guys next week. <laughs>